Can the Lord deceive? Can he dupe anyone? Seduce? Did Jesus manipulate those first apostles, Andrew and John, as they were following him and they asked, where do you live? And he said, come and see. Prophet Jeremiah felt duped by God as he wrote it down. To be God's prophet, to speak God's message to a belligerent people, people that was rejecting God. He felt duped because the more he spoke God's truth, the more they pushed back on him, the more they made fun of him ridiculed him, eventually to torture him, imprison him. Maybe this is what Jeremiah was referring to in being duped by the Lord, that is. So all this ridicule and what am I going to get out of this? I'm just getting trouble. Sometimes we can feel that way. I'm trying to be good, but it just doesn't work out for me all the time. But in this reading, he talks about this fire inside of Jeremiah. He could not, not talk about God and convey his message because it was this burning fire within his heart. It was part of him. It's coming out of him. He could not be unless he preached. His heart leapt out, you could say, to give his best for God. Why was that? Because Jeremiah believed in the Lord. True belief in the Lord, true belief, has repercussions in one's life. I went back to this book I read a while ago. It's titled, Run with the Horses. So there's a line in in the prophet, in the book of Jeremiah. God says, how are you, if you can't keep up with men, how do you expect to run with the horses? And this is by, uh, so the quest for life at its best by Eugene Peterson. He wrote a couple lines which I want to share. He said, I hope to stir up dissatisfaction with anything less than our best. The only way that any one of us can live at our best is in a radical life of faith in God. And everyone, every one of us needs to be stretched to live at our best, awakened out of dull moral habits, shaken out of petty and trivial busy work to live at our best, to give our best. And it's, it's so great, you know, it, it, like right now, the U.S. Open is, uh, is, is being played here in New York. And uh, one of my uh, uh, priests in the house, or Father Peter, he's a big tennis fan. Doesn't play it, but he loves it. And he was like, did you see, did you see the match with, the Cincinnati match with Djokovic? And how... He, he beat the, oh, I forget the Spaniard's name already, but the, the Spaniard? I said, no, I didn't. Oh, you've got to watch it. 
And I did. I went to YouTube, and the Cincinnati match was, a few, you know, weeks ago. And just seeing those men play at their best, stretching as far as they could, going at it back and forth. And uh, that's good. And that's, you know, that can be applied. It should be applied to our own lives. And living in living holiness and living for Christ Jesus. So Jesus, here in this gospel, shook up the apostles. He loves to shake things up, shake and bake. He just proclaimed, verses before, that Simon would be the rock upon which he would build his church, thus changing his name to Petros, Peter, which means rock. Then Jesus began to make it clear he was destined destined to die and rise. This was why he came. This is the path to redemption, to save us from our sins, that we may live life to the full, that we may live for excellence. I've come, he said, to give my life as a ransom for many. But, you know, the rock, Peter, didn't take Jesus aside, reading, the, reading some translations and reading some commentaries on this, like, hey, uh, you know, you've, you've had this experience before. Hey, can I, have a, can I have a word with you? You come to the side, oh, sure, what do you want to tell me? He took Jesus by his cloak, put him up to his face, and told him, this will not happen. to put ourselves in the context of how adamant Peter is, how you could say angry he is, because he loved Jesus so much. He knew what this meant. This must not happen. So we can't blame him for that reaction. But then, as we heard, Jesus, I'm sure, was not like, oh, um, yeah, I'm sorry, you know, just you take your hands off of me. I think Jesus reacted very strongly, as it says. He probably pushed his hands off of him, pushed them back, said, get behind me, Satan. Because he needed some shock therapy. <laughs> we often need a little shock therapy from the Lord. He didn't call him, get behind me, my rock. Get behind me, Satan. He wasn't referring to him as a devil, you know, that type of a thing. But in the strict sense, satanic means whatever mindset, choices, and actions set themselves up against God's loving plan of redemption. So anything that opposes God is an obstacle, is satanic. So Peter let go, listened, and then Jesus doubled down. You are thinking the way human beings, fallen human beings think, but you are not thinking the way God thinks. Fallen human beings think about weapons, getting there first, getting even. God's plan is to conquer the devil and all those rebellious angels, the source of sin, 
by perfect love, perfect obedience. And the only one that can do that is Jesus Christ. He is the bridge. Jesus looked at all the apostles when he said, get behind me, Satan, and told them they too were to take up the cross. Maybe one of them was thinking, how did I get myself into this mess? But Jesus is giving them and gives to us the key to divine power. Unless you take up your cross, and the cross is not a dead end. The cross is salvific. The cross is healing. The cross is what in itself, no, it is united with Christ. It is on the cross that Christ unleashed his miraculous power to save us. And from the cross rose from the dead. So then he's uniting us. We unite to the cross, but we unite to Christ, the living Christ in his cross. So he is now, because of our baptism, we are invited into this relationship of being other Christ, of bringing Jesus' salvific power to our lives through the cross. So when we have setbacks, and it's not like we're looking for these things, they just come our way. Jesus wasn't looking to be killed. It came his way. The cross unleashes God's power. And that's why when Jesus, when these Greeks, they came up to him in John chapter 12, hey, we want to see Jesus. And he said, now the grain of wheat must fall and die. And God is going to be glorified and glorify him. So what is God's glory? I've said this before, and we've got to keep meditating on this. God's glory is his love fully on display, how much he loves us. So I finished with a great story. I've been reading this book, listening to it rather, about St. Catherine of Siena. This saint has oodles of miracles. She was no-nonsense, no-nonsense Italian. And she loved the Lord. There's one, uh, she had many visions of Jesus. And Jesus came to her one day with a, in this vision of two crowns. One was a glorious crown, and one was a crown of thorns. And she said, and he said, which one do you want? You can have the crown of glory right now? You got it? Where you can have the crown of thorns. And without hesitation, she took the crown of thorns and put it on her head. I want this one. Because I want to feel your love. How much you love me all the time. She had the stigmata. But this, this is the story. There were two criminals going to their execution. They were murderers. They were really, really bad men. They were in this, this wooden cage as they're being carted toward their execution. And they were blaspheming God. They were blaspheming everything. And St. Uh, Catherine of Siena was praying for them. That they would have a change of heart. That they would convert. And so what had happened, yards before they were to get out for their execution, they had a vision, each of them, of Christ after he had been scourged and crowned with thorns. And he said, I did this for you, that you would love me. And you would be saved. On the spot, they converted. 
they, they, they knew what their sins were. They begged for forgiveness. They called the priest. Hey, they're converted. They want a priest. So the priest went. They heard his confession. And then they went to the Lord soon afterward um, for justice's sake. But great stories of St. Catherine of Siena. I recommend you read a book about her. Listen to a book. Find out some more miracles. Because St. Catherine of Siena Parish, we have an amazing, an amazing patron saint for us today.